This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Nice shot. Here comes a shooter. Shooter. Big button. Stack, stack, stack. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is Trev and Steven. We are here. We are in our home studios. We are, are hanging we, out. Wait, are we here or are we there? Or, or are you there and I'm here? Or am, am I there? I'm you're confused. Here? I, think, I think both. We're both there. I think Come we're on. definitely both. I'd rather be in the woods. I concur. <laughs> I mean, so, so what'd you do this week, man? You got after it pretty hard. I did a little bit of looking around, got some time out, worked a few more field edges, and uh, stumbled across my first match set. So it was a nice break. Um, really holding late into the year this year, so we're not finding as much as early as normal. But coming across the match set, listening or laying in a grass bed on a field edge made the day. Yeah, that's huge, man. I've I've put on so many darn hours and it's just been so tough and it's definitely uh a lot of them are holding. I mean, you're coming up on deer that still have antlers. I watched a big 10 pointer probably 130, 140 class day for probably 25 minutes that still was holding its antlers. And then there was one 8 pointer that had one side. Um so I kind of scoured around trying to find that one. Uh, and then came up on another one that still had horns. So it's definitely one of those years that they're just holding for a long time. I mean, there's been a mixed 
variety of guys bouncing back and forth on some of the social media, just saying that, you know, if there's an unbreaded dough, um, if because of the cold fronts, because of, I mean, there's a million and one things that everyone is saying. Yeah, no so, kidding. I mean, like the other day I sent you that message. Uh, I had three bucks dogging a dough, you know, the last week of February. And I mean, when you got down where they were, it smelled like rut. So that's a big factor. They haven't dropped the testosterone. They're not going to drop their horns. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's definitely crazy because going along with that, what what with the dog and I mean these bucks shouldn't be with these does right now, um, and you're seeing them totally being right up with them. Uh, especially, I mean, here we don't have any snow at all. There's zero snow, so it's not like they're yarded up or whatever. Um, but you're seeing these deer that just are are right with them and they're just doing kind of weird things. Like you see the doe go off and then that 10 pointer was following her around like, like a lost puppy. Um, so it was definitely kind of weird to see. And some of these scrapes, I mean, they're definitely keeping some of these scrapes open. I I know this one property obviously is a preserve and, uh, it, it holds a ton of bucks, um, and a ton of deer at that. I mean, there's no time that I go in there and don't see 30 deer and they still have these scrapes wide open. Um, they're still clean, right open. I mean, it's been windy the past couple of days, and there's not even a leaf in the middle of these scrapes. So Jeez. it's it's really weird to see. I mean, I'm no biologist or nothing, but this is what I'm seeing, and uh, it's definitely queer. It's definitely it's definitely weird. I almost said something. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll let that one hide. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at, at this point, I'm about ready to just go start chasing some of these. Uh, pre-spawn smallmouth out in the river and give them another week or two because yeah the the miles going on aren't paying off quite yet so (sighs) i think i'm going to give them time to just settle and then get back in there real hard in about a week and a half two weeks you know just after iowa yeah i absolutely i totally agree with you there man like i they've been doing a lot of the trout stocking here and the management areas um i know ghost hunter's been getting after it there um he joined a smoker the other day yeah, he got a couple of them. Uh, he's been doing good. He he called me up today asking if uh, I would go down in the creek with him, uh, do some uh, do some trout fishing. But I had to get into some uh, some public land. That's and that's what I've been doing um, because I'm not finding sheds, uh, and the sheds are tough and far and few between. And obviously, with the crop and the food and and being no snow, they're definitely more spread out. So I'm just using this time here to just kind of go on to the public land that I'll be hunting this season and just try and find some good ground. Um, just working in on some big bucks and trying to find good caliber bucks um, that are living in different areas and finding those raw areas that they're in, their scrapes, their rubs, their homes, their beds, um, their rut beds, and just, just using this time to our advantage um, and not finding a lot of sheds. And yeah. I'm okay with that because I'm 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 learning the area, you know. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. And like you said when we talked earlier, um, you know, you didn't find the sheds, but you're finding hot signed around rut beds, which I would rather find that as opposed to wintering grounds where they're dropping sheds. Yeah, and I I, I to be honest, I could care less about finding the sheds at this point. Um, you ain't got to lie. Well, I mean, it's you know nice you want to find the bone. <laughs> yeah, I do, man. But you know, I, I want to look at the bone for a long time. You heard it um, here. Trevor yeah. <laughs> wants to look at the bone for a long time. 
That's the truth of it. Oh, speaking of Bone, uh big shout out to Nor'easter Game Calls for um for their sponsorship with uh the outdoor drive. That's Definitely, huge. Man. That, you can that's check big. him out at check him out at nor'eastergamecalls dot com. Um get your get him in close. Get your uh Evo series, your Proctor series, is it? Prospector, your man. Prospector. I keep Killing doing me. that. I know. Seriously. <laughs> your turkey pots. Um, we got a new release coming up soon on uh, one of the sickest turkey pots. I was on the phone with Mark yesterday about it. This thing is badass. It was the one that we talked about in the last episode. Um, it is out of this world. It's the Burlwood uh, slate top with the Burlwood on the uh, striker. Oh, my God. That I couldn't believe be it. Beautiful. And it's going to have a glass soundboard. This thing is going to scream. He uh he did a little sound file for me uh when we were on the phone and it's not even glued in yet without a soundboard and this thing Jeez. screams. So I'm pumped about that. So make sure you go and check him out Nor'easter Game Calls. Um he's doing some badass shit over there. Let's just put it like that. Um anything you can think of, he can he can create it, he can make it, he can do it. So go check out nor'eastergamecalls.com. Back to what we were saying, as far as like the public land and finding the bone and so on, so on and so forth. I mean, there's there is a lot of people finding bone. They're starting to drop here and there, but it's just not it's not what it what it should be at this time of year. So I think it's going to be more of that March madness, as uh, the White Hill Drifter would say. Yeah, Shed Rally has definitely uh, nailed the time, in my opinion, uh, when they're going to kick that off this year. It it's going to fall on the perfect date range from what I'm seeing. That's when I think we're going to find our most bone. So definitely going to uh, take everyone out and go be a part of shit rally 2020. I'm excited for that. What is the dates that they're doing that on? Funny enough, I'd have to look. Give me just a second. And I believe that is going to be the uh, 14th and 15th. I got to double check that, but I'm pretty sure. Of March. Yes, of March. That's badass. That's definitely something cool. What 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 exactly is the shed rally? Can you explain that a little bit for for the folks at home? Definitely. So, shed rally is uh, something that Whitetail Properties promotes every year, and it's more or less a get your friends, get your family, get outdoors, and go on a giant shed hunting trip. And this is nationwide and they have a photo contest along with it. So they give away prizes for uh, best solo find, best family find, best couples find, things of that nature. You just got to follow whitetail properties and kind of see what they're looking for and what categories you'll fit in. And when you find bone during the dates they specify, then you just go out and knock it out. And yeah, I can confirm it is March 14th and 15th. So awesome. Get your friends and family, take the old lady, get out there and get some bone. That's badass. Definitely something to do. Shed rally. I think last year, what did you just hashtag shed rally or something in your pictures? Uh, Last year, I believe is just uh, shed rally 2019 in the hashtag. This year will be shed rally 2020 uh, shed rally or hashtag shed rally alone. Um, Pretty sure they follow it all. I'm not a spokesman for him, so I can't really say. <laughs> I just like That's, doing it. Yeah, Shed Rally is definitely something cool. It's definitely something to get you out there, get to, get your time, get your feet on the ground, 
Uh, it's definitely a badass thing. Oh, what a good fucking day. I'm shot after today, though. I'm going to tell you that much right now. <laughs> like, That's my say, legs are killing me. You sound beat. I am. I'm absolutely shot. I am just, I, and I, and I got a good night's sleep and everything, but I just, just all this hiking and everything. And then the anticipation of leaving Wednesday. Uh, I am just, I am just super, super stoked to do that. That's going to be a blast, man. Where are we going? We're going to Iowa. What are we doing taking, in Iowa? We're taking the 18 hour trek across the country. I'm not sure. What is it? 18 hours for you too? Yeah, it's about 18 hours. We're pretty well centered. Yeah, so we're going to take the 18-hour trek across country to the Iowa Deer Classic. Uh, we actually have the dungeon there. Um, the dungeon is this room uh, off of everything where they hold all the guns and stuff. So we get to podcast in there. So it's off the main floor, and that's the media room. So we get to be in there. So we'll be podcasting there, hanging out, the working class boys. Uh, I think Whitetail Legacy is going to be there. I think uh, who else is going to be there? Um, there's a metric shit ton of people that are going to be there. That's like Iowa, heavy dude. hitters. Everybody's yeah. going to be there. Christian Costa, Larry McCoy, fucking catch the elite the boys, R- the RTG boys, uh, Dan Young. Um, I mean, everybody, there's nobody that ain't going to be there. I think and if you're not there, you're not cool. So that's where it is to be right there. So we're so going to be I'm there. I'm pumped about that. Oh yeah. We're going to be there. We're going to, yeah, we're driving there. Far as fuck. It's going to be a long drive, but it's going to be a good one, man. We're going to make that outdoor drive all the way to Iowa. Oh, and we got something in the works, potentially, if everything technology technically technically works. um, We're going to do some experimenting, and it could be fun. It could work or it could not work. We're not really sure yet, but you'll you'll either find out or you won't. Yeah. So we're really excited. This is my second year there. Steve, this is your first time there, right? Yeah, those would be my first year at Iowa. It's uh it's something else, man. It's definitely a uh it's a great show. It's got some of the biggest bucks in the world. I mean, I mean Iowa yeah, we saw Zeus in Pennsylvania. They don't get any bigger than that. No, you're so, right. sorry, sorry, Mufasa, not Zeus. I'm thinking broadheads, man. Yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I got my head wrapped around them freaking Aries, I'm like, so. I'm like, what is he saying? <laughs> not, not, you're good. Uh, um, me out. Yeah, no, no, no. So Mufasa was in in, in Harrisburg. That is correct. Um, but we, yeah, it doesn't get any bigger and better than fucking Zeus. I mean, you're not wrong there by any means. <laughs> um, but no, the uh, upstairs is the... the uh, the Iowa monster bucks. Um, so they have sheds, they have a shed contest. They have big bucks of Iowa contest, uh, children, women, um, all kinds of crazy shit. There's just a metric ton of bone that's upstairs. So it's really cool to go there and see that. It, Cause there's, I mean, there's just deer from every variation. Um, it's, there's just giant white tails everywhere in that room. So yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome, definitely man. cool to see. Yeah, and there's some cool vendors, man. It's uh, I, last year when I was there, I didn't get much time to walk around and kind of enjoy the show. I was I was really I was working most of the time, so I didn't really have the chance to to do what I wanted to there. So this year is going to be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more laid back, do a couple podcasts, and enjoy the show and hang out with the boys and uh, network. I mean, Definitely. that's going to be the big the big important thing there. So yeah. 
we're going to have a good time for sure. So something that you're looking forward to seeing or doing at Iowa? Nothing too particular. Uh, I do have a good buddy of mine coming up from uh, Oklahoma, Five Arrow bow hunter Andrew Harmon. We ain't seen each other since his wedding, and uh, we're going to catch up and get down a little bit. And other than that, man, we're just going to get in there and have a good time. Yeah, I think I think the minimal of on the minimal side of drinking um, is definitely going to be in my forte for uh, the <laughs> Iowa Deer Classic. This is the goal I'm setting, but not all goals goals need to be met. So <laughs> we're we're going to strive for this one, man. I, I oh, want to be able to wake up in the morning and see straight. Man, I mean, chugging Pedialyte. I mean, that's part of this show season is chugging Pedialyte, but I'm just, <laughs> I, I just can't handle that again. That was just so rough. Harrisburg was a tough time for me. Yeah. Well, um, I think it was at, for all. After those boys have been going out there for nine days, you know, that last two nights, they were ready to cut loose and just be done. And you could tell by that last day, you know, looking at Drew over at Wild Edge and some of the other boys, I mean, oh, I felt sorry for them because they were tired on top of the crap we went through. <laughs> Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> I mean, everybody you walk through there, everyone's drained. But the the last couple of days, all they want to do is party. So, and it, but the, that's the problem with the three day show is that they're you ready to party. party in. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited for the Iowa Deer Classic. That's one of the big next events for us uh, is to drive across country. I'm a little upset that the Modern Assassin, yes, I'm calling you out, uh, is not going. Uh, he's not joining us. So that kind of sucks. And, yeah, but he's uh, got big things going on. Turned. Same with Ghost. There's no, there's no excuse for that. It's the Iowa Deer Classic. Yeah, you got a point. Sorry, boys, I yeah. tried. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it, it's cool, man. It, it is what it is. I get it. I understand it. Um, G will be at the Ohio Classic, um, which is still in the air for me. I don't know. I don't know. What about you, Steve? Is that possible? Is that in the future for you? It, it, just riding this one off the hip, man. We'll have to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to see what Iowa brings and what, uh, because, I mean, granted, we have the Iowa Deer Classic. Then we would come back. It would be Ohio, I think, is the last weekend in, in um, March. Correct me if I'm wrong, the 20th. twenty. I thought it was the 28th. Um, and then we're going to be there for shortly after. Uh, it's going to be turkey season, and we're going to be in Virginia. That's right. So, so let's. Uh, that's that's a lot going on, uh, especially with our busy schedules. Because then we got to start scouting for turkeys, and it just gets nutty. It gets completely nutty. But oh, but it's so, going to be a good time. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be an absolute good time. I cannot wait. Uh, turkeys screw all these shows. I just want to start killing things again. Um, I, that's really what I'm excited for is just gobblers, especially with the weather patterns that are right now. It's going to be big killing time. So I'm super pumped for that. Um, speaking of killing, I think we should get the guest on the phone. I think you're right, man. I, I think he's pretty much in that definition area. Should we introduce him now or should we introduce him later? Uh, let's let him do the intro. Let's let him do the intro. I like that. All right, let's get him on the phone. All righty, here we go. All right, we're back on the line with our guest. The modern assassin. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to see what it was like to be Garrett Benner for once. Hey, we tried that in Harrisburg. It didn't work out so well. 
it didn't for me at the ATA either. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's big hoss. The uh, Arrow Doctor. What's up, man? How you been? I've been doing good, man. Been been busy, super busy. I could only imagine. Well, let's turn this key. Let's get this drive underway because I bet that's what people are. They don't want to hear me talk anymore. So why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Big Hoss. A lot of people know me from uh, Ethics Archery. Out there trying to educate, man. I do my best to try to help people out. I'm I'm pretty active on social media. You can find me at most of the trade shows. Um, Just kind of the go-to guy, man. I'm trying to help out everybody I can the best I can. That's awesome, man. And that's and that's truly what you do, man, helping people out. Because constantly I'll get a phone call, and they'll be like, hey, man, I want to get heavy arrows or whatever. And I'll be like, well, let me tell you something. Here's so-and-so. Here's, here's uh, so-and-so. Here's uh, Big Hoss's <laughs> number. Call him up and tell, tell, tell him what you want to do, and he's going to make it happen. No, you ain't lying because that's how I ended up meeting up with Big Hoss last year. Is I called you and said, hey, man, here's what I want to do. And you said, here's Big Hoss. Off we went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i try to preface uh you should probably start telling people i don't know if they get surprised or just not prepared or whatever but i know a lot of my uh a lot of people that give my number out a lot um i've started to warn them okay make sure you've got some time and a pen and paper <laughs> and that's what i tell everyone i said i said listen i said this is this is a very extenuant um extensive uh information so you're going to want a notepad and you're going to want a lot of fucking time because (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah because there's a lot of knowledge that that you don't understand like foc heavy weight so on and so forth this is stuff that you're not used to so like you're going to sit on the phone for a while because you're going to have a lot of questions and hoss is going to tell you everything that you need to know about it i'm going to do my best that's for sure my thing is man is you know Let's be honest, social media, the way it's been, and especially when it comes to FOC, it's become like a trigger word now. Um, people will get on and ask questions, anything arrows, and you'll have 400 people on there just giving them their setup and telling them what to shoot. I'm not, I can help with that, but I want people to be educated when they get on the phone. I'm going to teach them as much as I can. I'm going to give them as much info as I can. Not just giving them the recommendation, but giving them enough information where they can now make an educated decision on what they really want to build. Um, because a lot of times they call me and they have no idea what they want until after we talk. Then they can kind of get an idea, okay, weigh my options and maybe I'll end up here on, you know, maybe 500 grains or, you know. A lot of guys, they'll call me up, what do you shoot? And I tell them what I shoot and they go, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. so you know and we're not telling i'm not telling people to go to that extreme side of things it's just something i've played with and i really i've become to love it and like it and you know i don't necessarily tell anybody they have to do that but i want them to have enough information to to take from that conversation make an educated decision i think that's important and they can make their own decision because like not everybody out there is going to shoot i mean what do you shoot how heavy is your arrow well, I'm currently shooting, um, well, I guess my exact setup, I got it right here in the truck, would be a Sirius Vulcan, which is their standard diameter shaft. Um, it's in a 250 spine. I've got 180 grains of outsert system on the front and 
one or two i'm using two different types of broadheads it depends on what i'm hunting one is a uh, 190 grain tough head single bevel and the other one is going to be an rms cutthroat 150 grain single bevel jesus and right so what's a, with a four flat so what's the total weight on something like that um the big heavy what i call my battle axe that i use for primarily whitetails 30 and in 35 and in and that one's at 675 total weight right around right around 20% foc um and then my little bit lighter with the 150 um that one's coming in what right at like i think it's like 650 something wow that's insane yeah. there's not a lot my turkey stop my turkey i don't have in the truck right now but that one's sitting i think my turkey is sitting at like 575 jeez that's still a lot, man, especially to be shooting oh, a bird, is. you know? Oh, for sure. But I did last year 709 I shot a turkey with. <laughs> yeah, look what happened to it. I was so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> rolled in right off its feet, dude. Couldn't believe it. It was one of the yeah, craziest things. That, and you said that to me. You're like, dude, when you shoot an animal with it, it's just a totally different feeling, especially a turkey, watching it leave its feet. But. Hoss, before we get too deep into this, because I know where this conversation's going, because we've had a lot of conversations, um, why don't you tell everyone kind of like what you do, what what your normal life is, because um, you know, because we everyone needs to get the picture painted of who Big Hoss really is. I'm a guy with too many jobs and no life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of traveling. I'm uh, usually on the road. Somewhere in the ballpark of like 320 days a year. Um, a lot of what I do, three quarters of what I do revolves around the archery industry and the hunting industry. Um, my primary job that gets me to and from coast to coast and anywhere in between, um, I use my pickup and I haul campers from coast to coast. And I utilize that for getting around the country for my other I guess you can call them three jobs or things that I do. Um, I am the VP of sales and marketing for uh, ethics archery. So let's say I have a dealer over in Billings, Montana. Well, I'll get a trailer that takes me over to Billings, Montana or Missoula or Washington, whatever, go in that direction, drop the trailer off. And then on my way back, I'll hit that dealer, hit other dealers, prospective dealers, whatever it may be. Sometimes do some training, showing some new products that we just came out with, you know, that kind of thing. Then uh, seven months out of the year, typically I'd be doing that now, but I took this year off of the tournaments uh, circuit. But I, I usually compete in the National ASA Pro-Ams, uh, 3D archery. Um, and then I recently just got picked up on a couple of different TV shows that I'm working with now. So it gives me an opportunity to do more education on a little bit wider scale. So that's going to be an interesting change of pace being on camera and stuff this year. Awesome. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Can you release the TV shows that you're working with? So the one I'm working with right now uh, where I'm going to be on camera quite a bit is going to be Family Affair Outdoors TV. Um, and then the other one I'm kind of doing some video stuff with. Um, there's been a lot of controversy, again, on this whole FOC thing and, again, the trigger word. And I had uh, Robert Rohr from Robert Rohr Outdoors, the bearded redneck, actually approached me and said, look, you know, I did some playing with this stuff on camera last year. 
and he knew he didn't do it right. And he's like, I just, I want to learn this stuff. So what do you think? And I was like, let's have, let's hammer it out, man. Let's do it. So we're going to be doing some video series and where I'm actually teaching him. Um, and he, his, the fans that are watching him are going to be able to follow him during the whole process from an unboxing of a bow to choosing an arrow from arrow spine all the way up to figuring out what that bow wants to shoot. And we're going to do all kinds of stuff from small game all the way up to hopefully this year, we're trying to work out a deal right now where we can go shoot a Buffalo. Oh, so awesome. where are you guys going to try to do that? Whole gambit. Uh, New Mexico, if it works out. Okay. Oh. And I'll tell so, you what, Robert Rohr is one of the craziest dudes in the world. I love Robert. I got the chance to meet him at ATA. <laughs> he's a good guy. And we got to hang out a lot and go to dinner. Wow. We had a lot of fun together. I'll tell you that much. He's a, he's a, he's a stand-up, stand-up gentleman. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad you two are working together. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, he is a good dude, man. Uh, he's a, you know, it's his persona, man. He's a, he's a million miles a minute. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna take some heavy arrows and try to slow them down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> and I'll tell you what: if you guys don't know who Robert Rohr is, go and check him out. But he's the man behind the face paint. If you guys yeah. if you guys don't know him as Robert Rohr, you now know him as the man behind the face paint because face paint everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, man. But that's we're, his thing, man. Hey, yeah, he likes he likes the hard. The Hardy's face paint, man. I, I yep. don't blame him. He, you know, he. I think at ATA he actually, um, there was a live video of him painting the, um, uh, what was it? The manager of the uh, of the hotel. He's painting his face with Hardy's face paint. I'm <laughs> live, so that was That's pretty funny. cool. Nice. Yeah, he's that a rebel, man. He he just does what he wants. But, and I saw you guys's. Um, what was that? You you guys did a live together about FOC yeah. and so on and so forth. It was just an intro, and so of course, with anytime you use that trigger word, there's a lot of controversy. You're gonna get positives, negatives, and just about everything that you do. And I just I don't think people understood what we were doing there, right? Because um, <laughs> you know, last year he was kind of known a little bit for a video that he did. It was kind of coming out against it, right? And again that came from not really understanding it because he was having a hard time getting people to actually teach him. Um, that, that's one of the big things that we have as a stigma right now, when that trigger word comes up in any kind of post, you got guys that are hardcore one side or the other, and all they want to do is bicker and fight. So he couldn't get anybody that was actually willing to help him. Everybody just kind of wanted to do some bashing. And, uh, so in that video, he was kind of playing devil's advocate and he wasn't actually arguing with me. In that video, it kind of seemed that way. He was literally just trying to play the other side on a lot of the questions that I get all the time. And it's not just me. There's quite a few people that are kind of in this quote-unquote movement that are trying to help educate people. And we all have our different ways of doing it. So he finally, somebody, I don't know who it was. Maybe he can clear it up at some point. But somebody sent, I forgot to ask him, somebody sent him over to me and said, look, if you want somebody who's actually going to teach you, and has the patience to do it, go talk to Haas. And he did. He came over to the ATA, and we got a chance to sit down for it's like an hour and a half, man. And we even filmed a bunch of it. So it was it was kind of cool. So that, that's, that's a- kind of what happened during that video. Um, he wasn't actually arguing with me. He was just trying to play devil's advocate. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. That's pretty which sweet. Is, which is important in this because, honestly, 
uh, like the FOC, the weighted, you know, like the industry has curved it to speed, 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 uh, IBO, IBO, speed. You know what I'm saying? So like everybody now when you when you go against the grain, nobody understands what you're going against the grain with also. And they don't really yeah. understand what it actually is. Um, so because no, they're not educated on it. I agree. And then you have some other folks out there that feel like they're much more educated than the next guy. And you can kind of get the clash of one of the extremes. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to do my best to kind of get in the middle a little bit. Um, you know, a lot like Troy Fowler. So the ranch fairy, Troy Fowler, he, that guy, he's figured out a way really to bring it to the masses and be super, super simple about it. Right. And if everything that we're saying isn't, you know, completely a hundred percent true and accurate as far as down to the technicality stuff. But what we really want to do is just get people's foot in the door. Cause I, I found this in the very beginning when I got super technical with guys and I know I did it with you, Trev. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but oh, you yeah. know, it can be overwhelming, right? So even I've had to learn to tone it back some. And I'm trying to just get people the gist of it so that they can have some understanding. And if I, my personal take on it is if I can get somebody to understand the basics, even though it's not 100% anatomically correct, like technically correct, and just get them to try something a little bit heavier, a little bit higher FLC, which is just a natural thing on the way we do these builds. Um, and they they take it out and shoot an animal with it, and they see that difference. Once they see that and they realize, okay, there's some benefits here, now they can come back and they're much more open to sit and listen to the technical side of things so that they truly understand it. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, absolutely, especially when it comes to FOC. So that word gets thrown everywhere. FOC, FOC, FOC. What 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 actually is FOC? It's literally just front of center, man. You're moving that lever arm, the balance point from the center of the arrow forward. And the the thing about FOC is what people have to understand is FOC is not the main thing that they should be taking when they have these conversations with somebody who's trying to talk to them about it. It's not about the actual FOC number, okay? It's more so about increasing your total air weight. And the way we do it with components and broadheads, it's naturally FOC number. All the, the aftermarket stuff we're putting on there is on the front of the shaft. So, I mean, I get guys that calling all the time, hey, man, I want to run 20% FOC, and that's what I'm trying to build. Okay, well, I get it, but why? And they're like, uh, they have no idea. Because I heard well, it somewhere. I heard somebody so-and-so talk about it, right? It's not the FOC that you want to build for, okay? So when you build an arrow shaft, you're, you're going to find when you do it correctly, your bow is pretty much going to tell you what it really likes. There's going to be this perfect arrow flight. And naturally, that FOC is going to be higher when you do it this way with components and broadheads. So... And when I build an arrow, I'm looking for that perfect arrow flight, and I want that. I'm, I'm looking for a general arrow weight. Whatever the FOC comes out to be is what it comes out to be because the arrow flight's more important. And the, I think that's where things get misconstrued. It's not the FOC number. It's just a talking point now. When you say FOC, people tune in because they either want to argue it 
or promote it. So it's, we use that as a trigger word now to get people Does, to kind of get involved. Do most people even know how to get FOC? You know, or a lot of people, they, they think they do. And they think that it's literally just piling weight on the front. And in, in essence, it kind of is, but you have to do it right. You know, it all comes down to what bow you're shooting, the type of cams. And that's why I always ask what bow. So I know what cam system they're shooting. And then what their draw length is, what their poundage is. And then we have to start with, typically I'll ask somebody, well, what are we hunting? And what are you expecting out of the air staff? What do you want it to do? Right? Some guys call me up and they go, well, I kind of want a happy medium between speed and, and penetration. Well, okay. Well, we, we can build something along those lines. And then it comes into kind of recommendations from there. And... It's all about having the correct arrow spine. And the, I mean, there's just a lot of steps you have to take to do it right. And I think that's where they kind of get confused and they don't really understand. So that's what I typically like to help with. If I can. How can you actually find FOC? So how do you find FOC? So like so, what you're saying, Trev, is you want to measure it. Like if I've yeah, got an yeah. arrow, how do I figure out what's my FOC? Exactly. Okay. Just wanted to clarify. Yeah. So there's technical ways of doing it. I really don't, we don't need to get into it, but there, you can actually just look up um, FOC algorithm on Google and it'll show you're basically finding that balance point. So you can balance the arrow. You measure from that balance point. You measure from that balance point to, to the rear of the arrow for the balance point and then there's an algorithm you can do or you can just put it into an foc calculator <laughs> and make it super easy that's kind of where we like to start with guys and i, I don't want to get too technical with it but yeah. you're gonna have people shutting this thing off if i go into the actual algorithm but the best thing i can tell you is look up the algorithm yeah. on google and it'll show you a diagram and tell you exactly how to measure it it's it's a step-by-step thing so it's not. I mean, it's really they have calculators for it, they, so on and so forth. So, so what yeah. is the gain of having a twenty percent FOC or a thirty percent FOC or what? What are you gaining well, by FOC, having a heavy area arrow with your FOC? It's all penetration is the name of the game, man. It's all about getting ethical penetration. So, FOC is going to help with a lot of different things. It's going to help with arrow flight consistency accuracy and when it hits you know it eliminates or i won't say eliminates but severely reduces impact paradox and it helps pull that arrow through the animal uh, so the higher it goes kind of typically the better it is but it also depends on the bow you're shooting it out of and the arrow shaft that you're shooting it on so again it, there's variables but that, essentially it's it's all about trying to increase penetration and the thing is, man, is our deer, people seem to think that we think that the guys that push FOC and higher mass weight, that we think that they're like robo deer or something. No, that's not the case. We're just trying to put as many variables in our favor as we can. I don't know about you guys, but the biggest rebuttal when you start talking FOC is guys will get on there and say, shot placement. All you have to do is practice shot placement. Okay, well, that should go without saying, right? Put the right arrow where it needs to go, and you're going to, you know, you'll be successful. But 
the problem is, is some of these guys come off like, oh, well, I can put that arrow, I can pick out a hair and I can hit that hair every time. BS. Okay, I don't know how good these people think they are, um, but you're not that good. Okay, I don't happen. know about you guys, but I, <laughs> I don't kill, like, I don't, I'm not killing hundreds of animals a year like some guys are out there. But, you know, I, I kill a handful of animals every year. And even I've been doing that for years. And even to this day, I can have brain farts, man. Like I'm at full draw. And as soon as my pen touches hair, for some reason, my mind shuts off and I make mistakes. And anybody out there who, who's been bow hunting for any kind of length of time that tries to say otherwise, full of shit. Absolutely. There's just no other way to put it. Okay. Especially when it's big. When you've been out there and you've been shooting, you know, the guy's only been out for a couple of years and all he's ever shot was a couple of, of spikes and a, and a couple of does, right? He's sitting in his tree stand and just all of a sudden, out of the blue, a 150 stems out. He's going to have brain fart. Whether he likes to admit it or not, he's going to have brain fart. <laughs> oh, guaranteed. Things are not going to go perfect. So in that situation, if you prepare for it with a little bit higher mass weight, which, again, naturally when we do it this way, is going to build FOC, you're stacking a little bit more of those odds in your favor. And that's all we're trying to say is be, you know, just prepare for that oops shot. We, you know, we practice for perf- for perfection, but we all make mistakes. And what I'd ha- rather have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. What happens when that animal jumps backwards or forwards or turns or when 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 okay. things go wrong you want to have that confidence in it that it's going to go through whatever you you put the pin on when you pull right. that trigger yeah. and it hits bone it blows right through it no questions asked i mean yeah and, and that's not saying shoot at bones right and we're not saying that it's going to pass through bone every time you know um but the odds are better right and for me, I'd rather have better odds if I can control it. And that's something I control. I, I can control my arrow build. Well, what happens so when I you're black bear control. hunting? What happens when you're black yeah. bear hunting and you get charged? <laughs> yeah, right. And you have to shoot him in the face at three yards. So why don't yeah. you tell everyone about that? They need to hear about that. Let's get away from the technical <laughs> side of this. Let's let's tell them real life stories of what actually happens when you're shooting a lot of weight. So... This is something I kind of use now, and it's kind of funny the way it works. And yes, I'm kind of over dramatizing it a little bit, right? Still marketing, I got to do it. But, you know, I prepare for the worst, right? And some of these guys that really want to fight me on this super, super speed stuff, I'll ask them, are you willing to bet your life on it? Because I actually had to. Wasn't planning on it, but I had to. So I went on an elk hunt in Colorado two years ago. And it was the last day of a five-day hunt, and I'm pretty much crippled at this point. I don't know if, you know, you know me, Trev. <laughs> you got you guys both know me, okay? You guys have met me. I'm not exactly the most uh, limber and quick guy, right? You're I'm, I'm big hard. Big hoss. <laughs> I would call you big hoss. <laughs> right. So... By this time, I'm walking with walking sticks. I mean, I've done anywhere between 9 and 14 miles a day for five days in terrain. I probably shouldn't have been in. And so I'm in pain. I'm not, I'm not moving fast at all. And uh, 
And um, sorry, I got a text message right there. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're <laughs> about two hundred yards, like three hundred <laughs> yards, right? See, brain fart. They can happen anytime. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're about two to three hundred yards from the truck on day five, last day of the hunt. Um, I was able to drop back on a couple of elk during that hunt. I wasn't able to send, I wasn't comfortable sending the arrow. Um, so I didn't. And we're making a last ditch effort. We can hear some cows down in the bottom of this big draw. I mean, it's got to be a 60 foot drop off, but they're at the, they're at the bottom. We're trying to call them up to us. So we pull out a calf call. I'm trying to get the cows to come up because it's last day and out in, out in Colorado, it's an either sex tag. So I'm like, I'm shooting the next thing that walks in front of me. And we blew that calf call and we hear this like roar come out and we, all this commotion from above us. We look up and the oak brush is parting like the Red Sea and you can hear the woofing as he's coming down. And I'm thinking, that's not good. <laughs> I'm on a three foot wide game trail and we're side hilling with a 60 foot drop off behind me. I look over at the guide and he looks like the road runner because he's got <laughs> dust coming off of his feet. And I'm like, okay, well that, that whole thing, and obviously this happened in a few seconds, right? But that saying kind of popped in my head. If you're ever getting chased by a bear, you only have to be faster than the fat guy. <laughs> well, I'm the fat guy in just about every situation. So I was screwed. I you became the test subject. <laughs> exactly. So my only option at that point was to come to full draw and wait for him. So I come to full draw and I put my pin right on the oak brush in front of me, which is three yards away. And when he came down, he came at a beeline right to me. And as soon as his face cleared it, I hammered him and I ended up shooting him in the cheekbone. Well, in the cheek, um, kind of out the back of his jaw because he and into the shoulder, broke the shoulder, went lengthwise through the body, took out a lung and the liver, and came out the rear ham. Complete pass through, nose to tail. That that bear came out just over three hundred pounds. Jesus. So I literally had to bet my life on it at three yards. It was pretty intense. <laughs> well, you proved the saying right. That's you know, insane. you only got to be faster yeah. than the slowest guy. Well, you were the slowest guy. He won, but yeah. so did you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got I got the slowest arrow, and it made it happen. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the thing, man. It's and I was and that was my elk arrow. You know what I mean? And and that arrow wasn't. I mean, for some people it's extreme, but for me, it was a little bit on the lighter side than what I tree stand hunt for whitetails with. And that arrow came out at 610 grains. But when you look at the build from the broadhead to the component to the arrow shaft, I built it as a system. And it performed as a system like I needed it to. And I went home with a bear. What did you do with the arrow? We never found it. Fair it enough. It kept going. Just kept going. We never found it. <laughs> Point well explained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we looked for it for quite a while, too. Yeah, that's and, one uh, I would have loved to have on the trophy case. Oh, yeah, for sure. There was four of us up there looking and searching. We just we just couldn't find it. I mean, there was so much oak brush. It, yeah, it's it was, rough. It would have been there. almost impossible, yeah. But, I mean, we, we grid searched probably... 
20, 25 yard square from where it contacted him and never found the arrow. So I don't know if it went further, if we just overlooked it. I have no idea. All I know is it was a through and through and. With the penetration you had, there's a good chance that it's buried in that hillside and all you could have saw was the knock anyway. There's very, I mean, that, that very well could be. Whatever what could be. God, Who knows? That's incredible. All I know is And that's one of the bonuses of shooting heavy arrows. And that's and that's the only oh, important absolutely. thing. It did its job. <laughs> it's that's it. It's it's it crazy. Got, it got it, as it, much it, penetration as it could possibly get. Two holes. This one yeah. just has to be nose to tail. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter where you put them as long as it goes where it needs to be, right? And it puts yeah, the animal it, down. It, it did what it was supposed to do, man. And I had I had quite a bit of bear meat in the freezer and I got the hide and the head and claws and the everything in the freezer now and going to end up doing a rug out of it. That's awesome. But, yeah. I'll tell you, I so I shot a turkey with a 709. Then I came home and I was like, that's way too much. So I went down to 609. Sissy. That was way too much. <laughs> Sorry, I got to call you out. <laughs> and it went, the last bird was 500. That was way too much. <laughs> well, it was, it was, it was funny because I remember you called me. He goes, dude, I just shot a turkey with my 709. And I was like, I just kind of chuckled. I was like, yeah, how was that? And he goes, I don't know how many flips he did, but he he did quite a few. <laughs> cool film. He's like, I've never, that. I've never seen a bird leave the ground without flapping its wings before. so i had hit a bird um i have it on film but i didn't uh i didn't share this film um but i had shot a bird before i had shot my second bird so it was in between my first and my second uh bird came in i shot him high and um literally rolled him on his ass and then got up and ran away but I hit him so hard. It was like, you know, when, when you shoot one bird with a shotgun and the next one next to it gets the muzzle flash of it and it falls on the ground also, but you actually didn't shoot the second bird. Has anyone ever had that happen? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So it was like that. I shot that turkey and it got on the ground and it was flopping like it was dying, but then it got up and ran away. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> it just got shot with like a 700 green arrow. Like getting hit by a softball bat. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. But it's amazing. And what it does to whitetails, like that thwap is oh, a totally different beautiful. thwap you've ever heard in your life. Well, and the, the thing about it is when you, when you have an arrow that hits correctly, even if you hit bone with a heavy arrow, not that loud thwack that you're used to. It's a little bit quieter, but it's more of a, a thump than a, than a thwack, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And deep, the good thing about yeah, it is, you know, when you shoot a, yeah, when you shoot a whitetail with a light, fast arrow, and we've got all kinds of footage to show this, you hit them and they're, they're taken off to the next county. Like they are burning out. They are gone. And what was noticed with the heavier arrows, especially when paired with the right type of broadhead, when you hit them, whether you hit bone or not, they it'll hit them, and then they'll like crow hop a little bit and jump, and they'll run about ten or fifteen yards, and then they stop. They just kind of look around, like what was that? And that seems to be 
the going consensus from all the video stuff and all the reports that we've been getting in because it passes through with little effort. Fast and, and clean. Yeah, it's just it's super clean. It's it's pushing everything out of the way. It pulls itself through. I don't know. There, I'm sure there's better ways of explaining it, but all the video footage that we have and all the different reports that we've been getting in. Um, and I say we, this, a lot of this stuff is coming. You know, like I said, Troy, our the ranch ferry, he's been collecting data from all kinds of people. I mean, he's got hundreds of animals now with data and reports on all this stuff. And it's it's been pretty overwhelming. And and he's working with the Ashby Theory. Uh, the Ashby, yeah, he is one of the board members of the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation. If nobody knows what the – if the listeners don't know what the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation is – please go over and take a look at it. Um, the reason why is, you know, Dr. Ashby, he's been, I mean, he's got over 30 years of research going into penetration, strictly talking about ethical penetration. And for all of those that either want to go to Africa or have going, have gone to Africa, say thank you. Because, the boat Ashby, and Dr. Ashby and the Ashby Bohang Foundation is the reason why it's legal. Same thing with um, what is it? Uh, Russia, Russia this yeah. year just Europe. legalized bow hunting. That was solely because of the Ashby Bohang Foundation and the work that they've done. So if they're able to change policies in other countries to legalize bow hunting. The reason why it hasn't been legalized is because it's been viewed as not as ethical as a firearm. They're justifying the lethality of archery equipment when it's done right. And we have them to thank for it. So, I mean, if you guys get a chance, go over to the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation website and check out what they have to offer. And that's a lot of what we talk about, what I talk about, and there's a lot of people with this FOC thing, right? That's where it's all stemmed from, is Dr. Ashby studies. So you can learn a lot there. Uh, they'll have a tab on there that says the 12 penetration factors. Take a look at it, because it's, it's labeled and put into order on level of importance. Dr. Ashby is one of the most amazing people you will ever talk to in your entire life. Have you had, the, you've had obviously had the chance to talk to him, right? Hoss. I have not had a chance to talk to him in person yet. No. Have you talked to him over the phone? I have not. It's all been through it. I haven't had a chance to really talk to him in, in, in person, like just person to person now. Yeah. I'll tell you what, We're man, make, spend... we'll be making that happen. Hopefully, but I'll tell you what, man, he is one of the most incredible people I have ever talked to on the phone. Um, yeah, I by by far probably one of the most incredible people in the amount of animals that he has harvested in studies. I mean, he would go over to Africa and literally do studies. I mean, he's shooting hundreds of animals a year with literally heavy aerials, and it was crazy. all with stick bow. Yeah, everything was stick bow shooting. Yep. Shooting shooting. Um, you know, Cape Buffalo, shooting Buffalo, shooting Giraffe, shooting, you name it. Some of the biggest, wildest game in the country, in the world. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, 
with heavy arrows and penetration and the study and I mean like Troy Fowler like the ranch fairy I mean how many how many animals I mean how many pigs has he shot with heavy sure. arrows not a enough. lot <laughs> no yeah. none no ask him not enough but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's important of of what it actually does and people Think that they understand. You can be on either side of the fence with it. You know, you can go medium down the road, or you can go super heavy. Um, but it, it it is important that having that heavy arrow, it really, truly, honestly is. Well, a lot it, of people don't understand it. You just they don't. And, and if you just look at the twelve penetration factors and you listen to some of the people that actually understand this stuff, again, we're not saying you have to go to the extreme, right? But if you implement some of this stuff. Even just a little bit, you're going to be better off than you were. And that's really all we're trying to do is just get people to think a little bit in more in depth about their arrow shafts and what they're bringing in the field. And even, and like you just said, maybe not to the maximum side of it, not your 700, your 600, right. but what if you went 500? Well, and then that's one of the things that I like to personally, yeah, that's what I like to personally preach. So, I like a minimum arrow weight of 500 for anything. Just if you're at 500 grains, you're, you're getting there. Right. So for like whitetail and under, I like five to five fifty somewhere in there is what I typically like to recommend to people because you're going to see really good results with that. And so when people call me and they say, look, I want a little bit of, I want to keep some of my speed and kind of have that happy medium five to five fifty is where I, where I like to put them. Um, now, if you're going to go after something bigger, elk, that sort of thing, um, moose, 550 to 600. And that's what we're talking North America. Pigs are a whole different ballgame. Now, they're in their own kind of class because, like like, like uh, Troy likes to say, they're arrow-eating machines. They are arrow-eating machines. I mean, machines. they are the toughest animal in North America to kill. And it's because of their physiology and kind of the way that they're designed. Yeah, go ahead, shoot them in the vital V and see what happens. Yeah, you're, you're shooting a little too far. You're, you're shooting them too far back if you do that. Yep. Yeah, you need to be lower one third, forward one third of that kill zone, like that that plate that everybody says. You know, the shield. Avoid the shield. Well, if you want to kill them, you got to shoot them through the shield, or get them quartering away and try to put it behind the shoulder and run it up in between, but they're constantly moving. They never sit still. So it's probably smart to have a little bit better setup if you're going to go after a hog. <laughs> and I'm, again, we're not saying that the, that the super fast light stuff doesn't kill because they kill them every year. But it's, again, those, those what ifs. Just putting a little, yeah, it's just the what ifs, man. Just putting those uh, variables in your favor a little bit more is all, is all you really need to think about. And I mean, even having 500, 500, great. Yeah. A five, 550, you know, I mean, I've definitely seen a, a big difference in it. And obviously, as you know, I mean, shooting 700, 600, and I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable in that 550 range. I think it's, you still have your speed. Yeah. You still have the penetration. It's just, it's just like, yeah. I, for the guys that are on the fence, I think that's a perfect place to hang out. Is that it five really to five fifty range? Um, That's you're not, where I you're like not to going. Talk. You're on the fence. Try it. 
and and that's a perfect place to be, man. Like it's 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 if something goes wrong, you're still covered. You know, yeah. um, one of my things was shooting Zeus. So, for example, Zeus is obviously my broadhead of choice. Um, and one of the things they've now fixed, but was they had aluminum ferrule um, design. And right. when you shoot them with heavy arrows, the yep. that force goes into the broadhead. So, especially if you hit something hard. So if you do hit a bone with it, then that, that weight from behind is going into the broadhead. And that's where it yep. causes malfunctions or not malfunctions, yep. but possible. It's failures. still you have possible failures, but it, it still works. I've never had a problem. I've never lost an animal with them. They've done everything that they have. So when you're shooting them at 700, it's just a lot of force on an aluminum ferrule. And of course it's Both fucking aluminum sure. ferrule. Right. When, well, now they fixed that with the heavy metal. So you can now shoot them. They're 175s and 200s. Um, you can shoot them now with heavy, heavy setups. But that's right. when I went down to the 550 range. And now yeah. it's just a perfect place to be. It's a perfect place yeah. to hang out. Well, Nick and um, I have had many conversations, Nick Albanese and myself. We've had many conversations about that exact situation right there. And, you know, I was I, I was at the ATA and um, got a chance to stop by the Zeus booth. And that's when he put the, the 200 Aries in my hand. And then I was like, okay. Now we got something we can talk about because he knows me, man. And we've we've right. talked about it a lot. I don't shoot anything with an aluminum ferrule. I don't care what brand it is. It doesn't matter. It, I'm not shooting it because of the arrow setups I shoot, and because I'm adding that variable in there. And he knows he knows that. And that's not saying anything bad. It's not just Zeus. It's every mechanical broadhead out there, every fixed blade out there that has an aluminum ferrule is something that I personally don't shoot because of the variable. Um. So we came out with that 200 grain, all steel. I was like, okay, now this is a little bit different. This is in my realm now. <laughs> so I was really happy to see that. I was really and happy single to see bevel. You know, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, single bevel um, with the blades. Um, all in all, you know, I think he he met the need. I know when he first came out, people were giving him all kinds of crap. And they didn't even get a chance for him to be like hey look this is the first installment people don't realize how much it costs to design a broadhead and go to manufacturing with it i mean you're in it thirty, forty thousand dollars to design a broadhead and then bring it you know start manufacturing and it's not cheap. Sold so yeah exactly i mean you're you're in the hole quite a bit um you throw the patents and everything else in there and then that you know you just jumped it up another 10 grand so you got to give some people some time, you know, um, and he, he took a lot of flack and he just kind of kept grinding it out and then came out with that one to kind of appease all the heavier arrow guys. And I think he did a good job. Yeah. And, and that's one thing with Nick, man, he listens to the people um, behind him. So, so he listens to the, 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 you know, the people, the consumer, what they want. And then look, I mean, he came out with a heavy metal, Metal, ferrule, um, 175 and 200 grain. You want to punch mm-hmm. through something? Here you go. Here, it's there. Yeah. Now it's there. You want that speed? You, here's your speed. You can shoot a 400, a 375, a 350, yeah. and shoot that broadhead and get the st- – well, you can get the same exact penetration that you would with a 700 grain is, yeah. is, is so, how it's designed. 
and, and there's more people coming out that are starting to think about this kind of stuff. So one of the guys that, that I work pretty close with and, and, and developed a really good friendship with is Rob Schneider. Uh, a lot of people yep. know him from Rattler Grips, but now he's got the trifecta broadhead getting ready to come out. And we've got to had, had a chance to put those in our hands. And so his start at 100 grains and go all the way to 150. So he's got a 100, a 125, and a 150. And that one there actually has one ferrule for all all those broadheads I just mentioned, which is pretty neat. Um, it's a solid steel ferrule with interchangeable blades, and you can run it as a mechanical or a fixed blade. That's badass. Huh. And the blades are super, I mean, super nice and thick, like they should be single bevel. All the blades are single bevel. And it's all steel. So even if you want to go to a hundred grain head and put some ass behind it, you know, and build your arrow a little bit on the heavier side with yeah. with steel components, you're not you're not going to have that that failure, you know, or that potential of a failure because of the. I mean, so it's, there's more and more people like Nick and like Rob, and there, there's some other guys out there that I'm not mentioning right now because I'm having a again a brain fart um, that are taking this into consideration. And they're coming out with better and better products. I mean, and that's the thing about the industry, man, is the innovation that happens. And mm -hmm. when, when people actually listen to the customers and, and see the problems that are going on and, and make an effort to fix you know, there's enough buddy, man. All this all this hate, mine's better than yours and all this other crap. The the consumer tends to think that there's rivalries going between quote unquote uh, competitive companies, right? Competitor companies. There's not. We all talk to no. each other. We're People don't realize that we all talk to each other. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some rivalries out there, company rivalries, right? Um, but as a whole, for the majority, there's not. I mean. It's the consumer that does it. That Honestly, because we all need to be in the same room every single year, 10 times a year. So why are we going to fight among one another? Everybody right. shakes hands. Everybody's, you know, there, there is those arrivals. They are there. There's the, the, the people that there, that, that, that fight among one another, but very, very few of them. Everybody yeah. gets along. Everybody talks to each other. Um, it's it's they spend a lot of time together. You know, these guys yeah. are next to each other in booths. You know, like that's how a lot of networking happens. Um, oh, when you have a booth like, next to somebody else, you know. Well, like the ATA, right? So the con the average consumer isn't allowed to attend the ATA, right? This is all manufacturers under one building. And then all the dealers are able to come through and in stock their stores and make orders for the year, right? And see the new products before they actually hit the market. That's what it's intended for. But the consumer, if they were actually able to get eyes in there and actually walk around and listen to the conversations that are going, look at people's shirts, look at the badges they're wearing. Right? Yeah. People walked up. I was actually over uh, this last ATA right around the corner from us was Iron Will. Right. And we all know that they have their um, hit insert with caller system. So there's been a lot of like trying to pit our two companies against each other. Yep. And I was over there talking with them, having a good conversation with Bill and just talking, having a good time. And we actually had customers come up and kind of look at us funny. Like, What's up? 
Well, aren't you guys competitors? <laughs> Technically, I guess. What's that? Because you guys make us that way. <laughs> right? You guys, it's you guys that are putting up. And this is dealers, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yep. come on, guys, don't don't play into this. Like, you know better. <laughs> right. You know, and you're a great guy. You know, I mean, we don't have any animosity. We go out and drink beers together after. Oh, yeah. We do, we do do that. <laughs> we, we, we had a good time this year at the ATA, didn't we, Trev? We had the time of our life there. It was probably one of the most memorable, yeah. memorable shows I've been to, honestly. Um, and in, in one person yeah. particularly that made that it that one night in question that we're talking um, about. Yeah, exactly. That one, that one guy, man, it was, it was a really, really good night that night. <laughs> It was it was, yeah. it was one of uh, one, one for the books, man. Austin is, is is one of the most important people out there. Honestly, he's the oh, coolest in this industry. In this industry. Sure. He he's uh he's drives a lot of people to do a lot of different things that they probably shouldn't. And when somebody says that they can't get up in the morning or can't go and do something, I want you to have a conversation or listen to one of the podcasts that Austin's on or go and follow his Facebook sure. because that kid right there he gives a whole new meaning to not being able to do something um it's crazy the inspiration that guy has it the thing is it's not that he's intending to be that way he's just living his life and so if you guys want to you know kind of get an idea on who he is go over to jones boys hunting squad and check them out or uh, look up austin jones um him and trigger dad that's what i call Trick. <laughs> trigger dad um you know, Jason and Austin were great, great people. Um, we've developed a, a really, really good relationship with them over the last few years. And um, he's got a video that you guys really need to watch. Uh, it's called uh, Intrepid. Go watch that video. Um, Austin, actually, a lot of people don't realize he, you know, they they self-filmed that whole thing. And Austin's the one that did all of the editing. And uh, it's, a, it's a great video and kind of shows you what they do. We're and, actually uh, going to have them on the podcast. So you guys can all hear should. them in the future. Oh, I, mean, I cannot wait to do a podcast with Austin uh, and his yeah. father. Um, yeah. It, Trek, Trek, Trek chimed in on the last one. <laughs> Trek's dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trek's is his dog. Uh, yep. His pit bull that travels around with him. But Austin was able to shoot uh, a Pennsylvania um, elk, actually. No, not Pennsylvania. Oh, Michigan. Pennsylvania? Michigan. Michigan. I'm sorry. Even better. Yep. Michigan. So that was harder. Yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michigan. I saw uh, That's why self, I thought it was. Self-guided on land they'd never been on before. Just completely random. Went out and did it themselves. Awesome. Never hunted elk before in his life. Had no clue even how to start. Just went out and, and did it and was successful. It, it was, it's, I, I don't get that lucky. <laughs> well, we know how hard it is to pull an elk tag in Arizona, so. Yeah, well, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you ain't got to tell me, man. I've got 14 uh, points. I'm a resident. I, I feel you. That's a, I left off with nine points <laughs> as a resident before I came to Virginia, so uh, I feel your pain. Yeah. I'm still a little bitter about well, it. I so. guess. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I heard I heard non-residents, uh, you know, 
you know, they might they might have a better chance of getting a draw. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you're going to sure get them stoked up. <laughs> yeah. It sure huh? seems that way. Where are you yeah. going to put in <laughs> for this year? I, dude, I give up. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm just buying points. I'm going to wait till I hit 20, and that way they can't tell me no. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> when you do hit 20 and put in, what units are you going to shoot for? Uh, or do you 10. not want to put everyone out? No, unit 10. Unit 10. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Unit 10 is – so you got you know, you got the strip up there too. Um, man, my go -to. You, you draw a strip. You draw a strip tag, man. You you take out loans. You max out credit cards. You do whatever it takes um, because if you kill one out there, man, it is a giant. Yes, sir. Well, like and I told you before, you, well, real quick, you might want to have to explain to Trev – what the strip is. I don't think he's familiar. So the strip is a very small unit and it's on the reservation. Very, very, very difficult tag. It's the most coveted tag, I think, for for mule deer in the world, I think. Um and then elk as well. Just, just giants everywhere. But put it this way, um if you know the strip and you're there for a 10 day hunt if you see a 170 buck, <laughs> 180 buck, you're passing him. Yes. <laughs> what? Yes. No, it's the land of 200s, bro. Land of 200s. Wow. I mean, it's they're giants. Man, the sheds so, we used to pick up on the ranch up there oh. would make you just, you'd fall off the horse. It'd make you sick. Oh, yeah. Giants. <laughs> He's not lying, man. I'm I got moving. a lot of guys right now that they're going to hear this and they're going to be cussing us up and down like, shut up. Yeah, don't tell anyone. <laughs> hey, sorry, dude. A lot of people already know. <laughs> we, we can tell everyone in the world your chances of getting drawn aren't much better. No. No. <laughs> no. It's it's literally like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of deal. I mean, it's – and there's going to be a lot of people that will never draw a tag. They'll put in their whole lives and never draw a tag. Wow. Guilty. But, yeah. We're talking biggins. <laughs> so, Hoss, yeah. we're getting to that point, man. I got to ask you one question. Yeah. What drives you outdoors, bro? I don't know, man. It's It's got to be it's, it's this primal thing. I don't know if it's I, – I truly believe it's in the human DNA. And, and some of us are lucky enough to be able to tap into that. And I absolutely love everything the outdoors has to offer. I mean, it's – the most humbling place out there. It's a place where for me, some of the hunts that I have planned, um, you know, for years to come, some of my dream hunts isn't even necessarily about the hunt or the animal that I'm going after. It's literally the challenge. Uh, I, for me, it's when a person goes out into the woods and immerses themselves into it, you learn a lot about yourself. And it's super humbling. Super humbling. You, you really find out what you're made of. I love it. I think that's... <laughs> yeah, that, that's the core of it right there. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible, man. That's that's definitely I mean, something, dude. And 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 you've you've been blessed to be able to, to harvest some serious animals. Like, you harvested a very, very nice buck this season. Yeah, you had did, a very yeah. good successful season this year, man, and that was yep. it was awesome to watch and hear and 
you know, get the phone calls and hear those things, man, because, you know, as, as the brothers, it's, it's always good to catch up with everybody and hear these, these stories, man. Because being out in the outdoors, you know, and, and sharing those stories is definitely important to all of us. So, yeah. And I'm getting ready to embark on a new journey, um, here very shortly. Um, met up with some guys back in Indiana, um, company called tag out technique. And, um, looks like I'm going to be possibly doing some work with these guys in a realm that I haven't dove into yet. And, um, it's going to be setting up people's properties as far as going in and doing cross cutting and creating sanctuaries and bedding areas for deer, manicuring the property, uh, for deer hunting, putting up stands and blinds and, um, putting in food plots and doing the soil testing to find out what's going to grow the best and be most productive. So it's a whole new aspect of the deer hunting world. Cause like, you know, again, coming from Arizona, um, you know, you know, we don't do that stuff in Arizona. No, um, there's no food plots. There's no, there's none of that stuff. No tree stands and we don't have trees. So <laughs> I, I, I was a desert rat, man. I hunted mule deer in the desert. So closest thing to a tree we had was floral cactus. Hey, get up and, on the uh, cactuses and tell me how that works. Yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. Um, so this is gonna be a whole new thing for me to embark on and learn and, and do some work with that and setting some properties up. And it's going to be, going to be a fun time. Good group of guys. Uh, very knowledgeable, so, a young, young, young group of guys that just have drive and passion for the outdoors. I think that's kind of why we click so well. And, and uh, this will be a whole aspect for me to kind of learn this year, and uh, hopefully for for some time to come. And I'm interested to embark on that. And, and again, that's why I love archery and the outdoors in general. So much to learn. So I'm excited about that. That's that's incredible, man. So, you, so you're, you're taking a whole new leap into something new, into the industry, something that you haven't even touched on ever. And just, just yeah. going to yeah, arms I'm back, heads forward, anywhere, man. man. And just, that's yeah. awesome, dude. Like, that's I'm going to be doing incredible. a lot less trailers. I'm actually going to be <laughs> doing a lot less trailers and, and traveling with the trailers uh, to put some time in, invest into this and to learn it. And should be, should be a journey. I think awesome. it's going to be weird for you, man. Like, how are we going to call you and talk to you for hours if you're not on the road? Oh, shoot, man. Headset. <laughs> <laughs> There's always I'm, a way. I'm, I'm still going to have have my phone at my hip, man. I mean, it's 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 what I do. You know what I mean? I'm, right. I try to be as available as I can to try and help people out. And I mean, you've been around me, and yeah. my phone does not stop. Nope. So, and that's, and that's important, man. Available. That's important for a lot of us in the industry, man. Like it's constantly, you know, keeping that contact with one another, keeping that contact with everybody else who who wants that, you know, to, to make it to that next step, you know, and, and being there available and talking to them and just kind of spreading the love, man, because it's not something that happens a lot in this industry or hadn't happened a lot in this industry. Um, and now it's a little bit more. Um, something that that needs to happen, man. And a lot of yeah, us are doing more prominent. You know, I mean, I could go name after name after name, but I know all of us on this phone call do that and help one another, oh, yeah. um, and help anybody else who wants to make that next step in this in this world. So it's definitely. I mean, cool. and everybody's met through networking within this industry. Everybody on the phone call here, Ghost Hunter, Garrett Benner. You know, I mean, we we've all gotten to know each other 
because of this, you know what I mean? Right. And, um, it's, it's definitely blossomed into friendships and not just working relationships. And I think that's super important because when you have people working together, not just on a business sense, but also on a personal sense, it kind of gives you a little bit more, puts you a little bit more in touch with, with, with who the people are. It's not, it's not necessarily about the products that companies have or products that people represent, right? It's about the people behind the product. And when you get to know the people behind the product um, is what for me changes things a lot. Absolutely. And I think something else that this industry does is, I mean, it doesn't matter what economic uh, creed that you come from or whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, this, this I can literally, I can walk up to anybody that I know and have a straight up conversation and it doesn't matter where I came from or where they came from or where they're going or where I'm going. No. It doesn't matter. We can all talk about one common ground, man. And that's Absolutely. fucking sticking arrows <laughs> or yeah. or taking animals or fishing or whatever the case may be. But we can all have the same conversation, man, and it can go on for hours. And yeah. that's that's important, man. It really, truly, honestly yeah. is. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. I'm glad you mentioned man because fishing was like my first love you know what i mean uh before i was you know before i turned 14 when i picked up a bow and started hunting and it, it's always been just as addicting as my hunting is and, and the cool part about you know like with working with family affair outdoors tv this year um i'm actually going in a week and a half not this weekend but the following weekend um we're going to be filming it's going to be basically just me on this one um i'm going to be missing michael wheeler on this one Unfortunately, he can't make it, but uh, we are going to be filming an episode in Tennessee and we're going to be doing a fishing episode. So that's going to be something new for me as well. And um, I get a, I get a chance to do a little bit more of that now, too. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah, man. That's awesome. I'm hoping to make it out there with you, Trev, too. We got to get out and get some big old stripers. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you're more than welcome up here anytime you want, man. That's yeah. that would definitely be badass. What are you fishing for down there? Are you doing some bass fishing? Well, um, I'm typically have been a bass fisherman for a long time. I used to do a lot of tournament fishing and stuff. But uh, I was actually out with Mike Wheeler last year, and we filmed an episode. Uh, we were out crappie fishing, so oh, um, we're going to be out better. crappie fishing on this one too. So yeah, uh, I believe they told me that. Yeah, so um, I, they told us that the the limit is thirty per person. Jeez. So, and and according to them, the way it's been lately, and the way it's it's going to be by the time I get there, they're hoping uh, we should be able to do that in like half a day. But I'm going to be there for two days, uh, filming. So we're probably going to do a little bit of both bass fishing and crappie fishing, um, and then they're wanting us to come back out and film because they do fishing. They're a fishing guide, and then yep. they also do duck hunting. So they want us to come back out in early December and do a duck hunt. And I'm pretty excited about that. And I think they are too, because that one's going to be a little different. You guys are going to, we'll have to, we'll have to get Mike Wheeler on here and with you guys and get you in touch with them and kind of talk about what they do and, uh, you know, with the TV show. And it's going to be an interesting episode, man, because you're going to see everybody popping out. You might see me pop out with a shotgun for the first three ducks. And then the camera's going to end up, rolling on all three of us in the blind and two guys are going to pop out with a shotgun and you're going to have big hoss just popping out with a compound bow. I was going to say what grain you to shoot duck with? Shoot duck with a bow. Well, um, actually that one's going to be, I was, pretty, I was going to ask you, I'm like pretty heavy arrow. 
you going to roll a decap on that? No, no. Uh, well, you know what? I might, I might have to, actually. I'm going to bring a few different arrow setups with me to shoot, but a decap would be cool. Oh, you, um, you pull that off, man. You're an all-star. I was going to ask you, do you even know how to shoot a shotgun? <laughs> do, I do, believe it or not. I do. We do a lot of quail hunting and dove hunting in Arizona. Oh, yeah. Lots of oh, really? it. Lots of it. But I've, I've taken that. my bow out for I've, I've I've taken my bow out for quail and dove before. That's awesome. And yeah, that's I've I've hit a couple of doves. I've missed probably five hundred shots for the few that I have hit. I mean, it's just the way it is because that's like the fastest bird you're going to shoot at. No kidding. But uh, we'll take out the flu flus, man, and uh, shoot coveys of quail. We use the snares on the front of the for a broadhead, but um, I'm going to try and take ducks with a, a well now i'm gonna to have to try a decap um <laughs> i'm gonna try a decap now um but i originally wanted to do it with a standard broadhead well don't don't step on the decap though. <laughs> <laughs> no i'd be all right no these are going to be super super high foc arrows just because it's going to be a flu flu and the only reason, the only time I'm going to be able to actually do it is if we can get them to start lighting in and like within that 20 yard range, 20 mm-hmm. to 25 yards. If they're out further than that, it's just, I don't know if I'm going to, I might take a couple pot shots, but um, I want real high FOC in that flu flu arrow so that it bobs like a bobber when it hits the water. Yeah. Okay. So I want it to hit, go, go the distance I want, and then I want it to drop like a rock. Oh, so that doesn't go far. In the water. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's another so that's, positive that's thing plan. for a heavy or uh, a uh, FOC arrow. Even think we're going to find out. I haven't tested it yet, so we're going to find out. <laughs> well, we look forward to that for sure. Yeah, I know. Awesome. I know the uh, the guides when I told them that I was going to be bringing my bow for the duck hunt. Every one of them at the booth because we were at a trade show when I actually got a chance to go meet them. Because they had called us and asked us to come out, but uh, uh, got a chance to go meet them. And as soon as I mentioned that I was going to be bringing my bow to the duck hunt, every one of them kind of stopped. Even if they were talking to somebody, you just see them lean over and look at me. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Why not? I might miss and fail miserably. Who cares, man? Go have some fun with it. You bet. That's fucking awesome. But if I could pull it off, that'd be epic, right? Oh, for sure. You'd be like the, you'd be the fucking. I mean, man. I know Tim Wells has already done it. And people shot a duck with it. I'm not sure, but yeah, you know, Tim Wells has already. Yeah, right. Tim Wells has already done it. But that dude's a freaking nature, and utmost respect for that guy. I mean, that guy's. I mean, it's crazy what he's capable of doing with a bow, and a, and a longbow and recurve at that. Um, but a blow dart gun. I want to give it a try. <laughs> yeah, rams and bear and stuff like that with a blow dart gun. It's crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, bow and arrow? What the fuck is that? That's like a machine gun to him. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be interesting, though, to try it. Absolutely. So that's what we're going to do. So, Hoss, man, do you wanna, what, what do you want to leave the listeners with? Don't be stuck in the same old, same old that you've been sold to by the industry, right? Um, have an open mind and try some new things. Things. whether it works for you or not doesn't matter if you can try something new and take something from it and be able to apply it to be better then why not 
I love it. That's the truth, man. I absolutely love it. You, you can't say that enough. An open mind goes yeah. so far in this world. It does. Well, good deal. But I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I enjoy the conversation every time we get a chance to talk. Unfortunately, it'd be nice to have just a record button where every time we talk, we could record because we go over some good stuff. Yeah, I, know, right? <laughs> yeah, I want to say this is probably the shortest conversation we've had in a long time. <laughs> right. Truth to <laughs> that. Hey, that's all right, though. That just means we're leaving them short on the other end. That's it. That right, means right. that we can work on a part two on that one. You there bet. you go. Well, good deal. Well, Haas, we greatly appreciate you joining us. It's been a fun time. And uh, for everybody out there listening, we appreciate you guys taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. <laughs>